For the first time in franchise history, the Washington Capitals can celebrate in glory. They are your 2017-2018 Stanley Cup champions. So what happens now? Can they remain in a small conversation of cup contenders? How long until the Vegas Golden Knights make it back to the finals? We'll dissect all of that. Plus, the Islanders' shakeup continues, and GM Gar Snow won't be calling the shots on draft day. Episode 129 of the Lace Em Up podcast starts right now. And now, it's time to Lace Em Up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Tuboff. I'm Brett Tuboff. And today, dissect... Do you know want me to heard... redo that? Or... No, no, that's fine. Go, go on. I didn't know if you heard me, so it's like... <laughs> yeah, on. well, yeah, I'll, I'll repeat myself again because it's too good to be true. The Washington Capitals are Stanley Cup champions. It yeah. finally happened. We're going to talk about all of that on the show today. It's a very busy show, mostly surrounded around the Stanley Cup Finals and who we think uh, has the best odds of making it back next year. And Vegas is all over that because uh, they've already told us what they think. So uh, we'll dissect that. But before we go any further, we are going to delve into the Hockey Hall of Fame Book of Trivia. Brett, are you ready for this week's question? I am ready, yes. All right. Question number 18 is our question for this week. Which Hall of Famer joined her sibling as the first brother-sister tandem to play in a professional hockey game in North America? Was it A, Cami Granato, B, Angela Ruggiero, C, Angela James, or D, Geraldine Heaney? Um, wait, this question doesn't make sense. How, how are, like, there's, no, there's never been a woman who's played the NHL. Wait, is it a professional, you mean, like, in terms of professional hockey? To play in a professional hockey game in North America. It didn't say NHL. Oh, okay. Professional hockey game in North America. All right, I got confused, I guess. (laughs) I guess (laughs) when I think of professional hockey, I'm just like, oh, so just the NHL and the AHL? Um, All right. Uh, the only woman hockey player that I could recognize was Cami Granato, but I have a feeling it's like a trick question or it's mm. going to be the other one. So I'm going to go with Cami Granato, even though I'm not a hundred percent on that. It was a trick question. It was Angela Ruggiero. Oh, wow. all right. The answer was, um, on January 28, 2005, uh, she and her brother Bill competed for the Central Hockey League's Tulsa Oilers. Oh, wow. So uh, there's the history uh, behind that. Interesting. Uh, I knew so, I yeah, was, was wrong, so I get I should get like half credit for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, half credit for recognizing that it was a trick question. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, uh, it's, it's it's funny when I open up this uh, this uh, book because one of the first uh, things is a quote from Alex Ovechkin. Um, it, and and uh, here's the story behind it. Two days before Sergei Fedorov was inducted into the Hall of Fame in November 2015, Alex Ovechkin tallied goal 483 to tie his fellow Russian on their country's all-time NHL goal-scoring list. Ovechkin equaled it in 476 fewer games, 
but he couldn't break the mark when Washington met Fedorov's former team in Detroit three nights later. Ovechkin wanted it badly, firing a personal best 15 shots on Red Wings goalie Peter Morazic, mm-hmm. though without success. Still, he remained upbeat, saying, if not today, tomorrow. Okay. And I think that's the perfect illustration of the Washington Capitals today. Yeah, that's their, true. Their, their day has finally come. Yeah, not today, but tomorrow and the next day and the next day. It does It does seem like... so. Uh, Steve has said it numerous amounts of time, but to officially start the show, uh, the Capitals have won their first Stanley Cup in 40 years. Uh, 41 years, I think, is the, the official drought. Um, and it's it's kind of, uh, it's pretty cool, because I don't think we ever really saw this was going to be the, the deal. I remember, like, in our playoff preview when we started, you were very hesitant about the Capitals... Even, I pick Columbus to yeah. beat them. Yeah, you were, make it around the first round. and you were just like, "Oh, okay, they're not going to be able to, uh, you know, because you just had lost face with the with the uh, Capitals." I thought they would make it past the Penguins, but I thought they would lose to the Lightning or you know in the third round because I figured like, "Oh, like that was basically their Stanley Cup is if they beat the Penguins," and then they. Um, you know, they just basically rolled over Tampa Bay, and then they rolled over Washington. Um, so behind, a little behind-the-scenes action here. I was uh, unintentional. I was at a family event in uh, Washington, D.C. on Thursday yeah. when the Capitals won. So I was actually watching the game with a couple of family members now that um, – who were watching, you know, watching the Caps games. So just a little thing that my my family isn't, like, I'm, like, by far the most dedicated hockey fan there. Um, I'm pretty much the only diehard hockey fan. So it was kind of interesting watching this game with a lot of people who are only interested because Washington was in it. Um, and it was also pretty cool, like, just to be in the same city as... Um, as the team that wins it kind of thing. It was like, I just remember my hotel room was just like, uh, had like a couple of sirens and there were a few screams um, afterwards. So it was kind of cool. And then I got to see the local news um, and all that stuff. But um, anyways, uh, let's go back to uh, the Capitals because it's their night. Um, it's... Um, you know, it, it, it's something that I don't think I ever, like, I was always like, okay, they'll beat the Penguins. I didn't really think that they'd get that far. But then, like, the more they play, the more you're like, well, actually, they seem to be pretty doing pretty well. Um, you know, for years, it seemed to be that Ovechkin um, was the only guy who was performing in the playoffs. Backstrom never showed up. Kuznetsov never showed up. Or they just ran into a hot goalie. Like, uh, there was one year where it was, like, Yaroslav Halak. Um, so there is that aspect of things where it's just, like, I guess it's just the right moment and right times. But this time it's, like, Kuznetsov was on his A game. Um, Ovechkin obviously was also on his A game. And so was Backstrom. So was Holtby. So, like, they never really ran into a hot goalie. And if they did, well, they did run into um, a hot goalie in Marc-Andre Fleury. But... Uh, they they kind of defrosted him, if that's... Yeah, they exposed you know, him. They exposed him. So, um, so like, it seemed like 
you know, after they were down to nothing to the Columbus, that seemed to be the only time where they were really in trouble. Um, it felt like so. Um, yeah, that overtime game where they could have gone down three yeah. nothing was pretty was pretty much uh, was pretty much their playoffs in jeopardy. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so we're gonna have to. Um, so we have a couple of questions here. Um, I do love how when our shows get kind of just like discussion based, but um, I do have some questions uh, that we can that can help lead us along. So the first question I have here is. What does this win do to Alex Ovechkin's legacy? I mean, oh, first I should ask you, because I just went on for a bit. Um, what do you? Um, what are your thoughts on this Caps win? Well, for the first time this year, Vegas went on a four-game losing streak, and for the first time ever in the postseason existence of the Golden Knights, they blew a second intermission lead at home. And Alex Ovechkin is the first captain... Russian captain, I should say, to to say that as team captain, I led my team to a Stanley Cup title. Never yeah. before in the history of the NHL until Alex Ovechkin hoisted that Stanley Cup had a Russian captain led his team to a Cup title. Yeah. That's never happened before. And it, it just means so much. And, and, and I'll explain why later in the show. But it, it, it's funny when not just an organization – that has been consumed by years of postseason failures, years yep. of disappointment. And not only that, but a city that's all they've known is disappointment. All they've True. known is heartbreak. Yep. It's funny how a championship can change everyone's perspective. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I remember uh, like during this time, um, someone was saying, I think it was, uh, I don't know if you know him, but Down Goes Brown. Yeah, I've heard of him, yes. Um, he was saying how, like, he has this, like, history book out or something. And uh, anyways, he was saying how, like, the the first, in fact, the first season the Capitals had was the worst regular season ever by expansion. Yeah, they only, won, they only won eight games, if I'm not mistaken. And I find it kind of fitting that they beat the, the best expansion uh, team. Yeah, that um, 151 game. That yeah. 151 game. So, um... I find that kind of interesting, and you also bring up a good point where it's like, you know, Washington has, like, like only, I think in the last uh, 30 or so years, um, they've only had one championship um, yeah, besides this in, one. in 1991, when uh, their NFL football franchise won the, wa- it, yes. the Washington um Red, uh, the wa- we call it the Washington football team because we refuse to say the R word. No, I know, I know. I was about to, I was about <laughs> to make a, a like a derogatory Washington derogatory term, um, yeah. <laughs> but um, the uh, yeah, it's uh, so that is kind of cool that there's like it's like kind of fitting that they got to beat the expansion team. It's kind of like weird sort of karma in a way, um, and all honestly, like I would have loved. Um, if the, if the Knights, if the Knights won, but I kind of was rooting for the Capitals, not only just because of Ovechkin, I feel like, which we'll get into, um, in, in a second, but, um, I feel like Ovechkin's like the best goal scorer of our time, but like also in the fact that like the Capitals have suffered for a number of years, um, 
And then, in fact, I'm just looking here. They only won eight games in their first season, uh, yeah. which is incredible, which you said they were went eight sixty seven and five um, um and only had twenty one points in nineteen seventy four um and versus like the uh the Golden Knights, where they literally had no adversity whatsoever um and I, you know so I felt like i i had i feel like um the capitals kind of deserved it more. Um, even though it would have been a cool story if the Golden Knights won, just because like they didn't exist a year ago, so um, and imagine how the the fans must have felt too, because yeah. you had to cheer for a team that hadn't won anything yeah. more than a President's Trophy. The uh, you remember the Ranger diehards, mm-hmm. you know, back in the sixties, seventies, yep. and eighties. Um, all they heard was nineteen forty right. because. They hadn't won the cup since 1940. Yep. Then they finally win in 1994. They don't have to hear that chain again. They finally have something to be happy about. And this True. cup championship was one of the few teams in the history of sports during my lifetime where I got goosebumps. There was yep. the 90, watching the 94 Rangers on, on YouTube, watching a documentary of them. That gave me goosebumps. Watching the Cubs win the World Series on TV in 2016, that was yep. special because they hadn't won in over a century. Watching a team like Washington win the Stanley Cup the way that they did gave me goosebumps. And, like, it, it, every time I watch someone hoist a Stanley Cup, it's like, wow, what a nice feeling. I feel so happy for that person. Yeah, yeah. But um, I could feel the emotion. I could sure. feel what they were feeling this time. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I, to that point of, like, watching the diehards, since... Uh, so a lot of my, my family, so I was actually at my cousin's high school graduation, and that's why I was at D- in D.C. at that time. So yeah. the, the Caps won on Thursday, the graduation was on Friday, uh-huh. and on Friday, everyone had, like, it was a special situation, it was one of those schools that, like, uh, highlight, loves to showcases the student's voice. Um yeah. So every kid goes up there and, like, has, like, a little speech, and they say, like, thanks for my family, thanks for this person, I'm going to miss you all, and all that stuff. And, like, about, like, a quarter of them said, like, go Caps. There's one kid who, like, said that um, his voice was, like, he was apologizing for his voice because he was rooting for the Caps the other night. Like, he, he lost his voice. Um, so I was just, like, thinking about, like, those kind of kids who were, like, watching the Caps, and then they graduate from high school the next day. It was kind of just, like, an interesting thing. I was also sitting next to a family friend, uh, during my cousin's dinner, like, celebration dinner, and, like, the person, like, because they knew my aunt knew I liked hockey, and they knew that this person who I was sitting next to had Caps season tickets, um, and, um, it was just interesting cause she was like telling me how, like how incredible it was. Cause she, you know, she grew up watching, you know, Ovechkin and he's like a, you know, a talented guy. And it's just like a marvel just to watch him play every, every time he's on the ice. And then it's just like a great moment to see him up there. And, um, you know, it was like also like her husband, um, was, uh, was probably like like they were debating on um, 
if like if they wanted because they wanted it to go to game six sort of because yeah, they, so wanted, they, could, they could watch them win it right, on home ice. So they could watch it win it on home ice, but at the same time, they're just like, we just wanted to, to get it yeah, over you with. Just, you just want the cup. You don't care where so, they win it. So I thought that was interesting and um and all that stuff. But I did. She was very impressed that I uh, have a co-host a podcast. So shout out to you. <laughs> um, I'm blanking on her name, but um, yeah. So. Uh, uh, but yeah, you're right. It's it, it it was kind of a cool feeling that like all these like, you know, like a whole fan base finally gets their dream come true and all that stuff. So speaking of players and people who have their dream come true, Alex Ovechkin finally gets his cup. Um, there goes his, the narrative of that he doesn't just want it anymore. You know, he doesn't want it enough and all that stuff early on in his career where it was just like, oh, he's too lazy, he's too, he just doesn't care about the cup. Um, he definitely cares about the cup. If you see him, like, you, like hardly, I've seen all these pictures of the last couple of days where he's just parading around with the cup. Like, he doesn't have a picture without the cup in the last Wait couple of days. until Tuesday when the parade happens. Yeah, yeah. Like, I just saw him, like, he was, uh, you know, he was uh, pouring, he, like, he did a keg stand for the cup, and then everyone was <laughs> chanting his name. He was also on the pond, um, the public pond, which I actually was nearby. Um, I wasn't there, per se, but uh, I did see that a couple of days later. And then, um, like, he's just been, like, he was sleeping with the cup. There was a picture of him sleeping with the cup, so... Uh, so yeah, he's going crazy. Uh, but what does this do about his legacy? Um, he's current. I was just looking this up. He's currently nineteenth um, career um, with six hundred and seven goals. Um, he has about eight uh, two hundred and ninety um, goals to catch up to uh, Wayne Gretzky, who has eight ninety four goals. Um, I feel like he could do that. I feel like he was a first ballot Hall of Famer, whether he won the cup or not. But uh, this does have something to do with his legacy, because now it's not like, oh, he's a great player who's never won a cup. This is like a great player, period. You know, so, um, so yeah, what does this do to Ovechkin's legacy? Well, he's led the NHL in goal scoring on lots of occasions. He's won a Hart Trophy. He's won an Art Ross Trophy. Yep. Uh, led the... Led all playoff scores and goals with 15. Ten of them on the road in these playoffs. Um, Luke Robitaille and Dave Andrzejczyk were the only other players in NHL history to record over 600 goals in their career before winning the Cup. And you just look at the seven Rockford Shard trophies that he's won. And the knock on him, especially the Ovi-Crosby debate, is like, well, Crosby's won a couple of Cups, and right. Ovechkin hasn't won yet. Yeah. Um, like you said, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer regardless. But I think he's top 15, top 20 all-time okay. NHL players to ever play the game after the Stanley Cup. Because yep. he did everything. He set the tone from yep. the Columbus series. When they came back and won four straight, he you, you saw him celebrate pretty much every goal on the bench, it seemed, as we got into yeah. the, to the conference finals, as we got into the finals. Uh, he energized his team, whether it was scoring a goal, whether it was hitting. Right. Probably the most complete Alex Ovechkin that we've seen so far. So I don't think it impacts his legacy too much. 
But I think we look at Alex Ovechkin a little bit differently because before Steve Eisman won a cup, yep. that was a whole knock on him. It's just like, oh, his team has been starving for a cup for years. Uh, right. All those good teams that he's been on, he hasn't won yet. And I think the difference was that, and we mentioned this before, the rest of his team was good. The rest of his team backed up Ovechkin's play. Holpe was great. Backstrom was great. Lars yep. freaking Eller was a machine. He had like 18 points in 24 games. Devontae right. Smith-Pelly, seven regular season goals, equaled that in the playoffs. Yep. Every single player showed up, unlike other years. And I think that's what made this team so different. And the reason they were so different this year is because Alex Ovechkin led the way. He set the tone. And I think we're going to look at Alex Ovechkin differently, yep. but it's not going to change the fact that he's the first ballot Hall of Famer. We knew that from the beginning. True. By the way, Yeiserman was 31 when he first won his Stanley Cup. Um, yep. But yeah, you're right. It's uh, I, I still feel like, I mean, I was I, I said this like throughout the entire playoffs. I said this, I've said this for a while now. It's like Ovechkin's like the best goal scorer in this decade, or at least yeah, post post no lockout, question. yeah, there's no question. I don't even think there's anyone who's even close. Um, maybe Stan close, I guess, but I think he has a he needs a couple more um, seasons. Um, and but like, yeah, you're right. It's like it's not even a question. Um, but uh, you know, I, so I would, and then considering you also have the fact where it's harder to play this game. Um, where, like, defense is more specialized, so it's even more impressive to score so many goals um, that I feel like Ovechkin was already in the top 15 or top 10, at least in the discussion of the best players of all time. Um, I hate when to say, like, how, like, a cup win, like, makes you that much better because it's, like, it's not Ovechkin's fault that he had a bad team. Um, So I feel, you know, like, because winning a cup is a team effort, Whereas, you know, like all these, like Art Ross's trophy, Hart trophies, those are individual um, achievements. Um, so I think it's it's definitely um, different. I don't think it's like it changes too much because I don't put too much of the thing on the cup, but uh, on a cup win. But I would say that like there's definitely um, more of a lure to him. Um, just because it's now, oh, he has a con Smythe in his... Uh, yeah, in his yeah. Uh, the fact that he got a con Smythe boasts that because that's playoff MVP. Yep. You didn't just win the Stanley Cup, you won playoff MVP that year. Exactly. Uh, we're also going to talk about Nicholas Backstrom's legacy and Braden Holtby's legacy as well. Um, you know, Backstrom was injured for a couple of games in the playoffs, but then... He still had uh, 23 points in 20 games um, in the playoffs. And, you know, I think we said this last week where, like, the problem wasn't really Ovechkin's performing in the playoffs in the past. It was always, like, the supporting cast. And Backstrom was the main guy. So he was never, like, known as a playoff performer. And now that he has 23 points, 18 assists in 20 games, you know, he finally... Uh, figures it out, and maybe he was injured for towards the end there, so that makes it even more impressive. Um, I'm also, because I did the same for Ovechkin, I'm going to do the same for Backstrom. Backstrom has 590 assists 
um, which puts him 91st um, in a career in his in the career um, list of you know uh, guys who have assists. So um, so he still has a ways to go, but of course Backstrom's a little bit younger than Ovechkin, so um, you know there's definitely potential that um, Backstrom could uh, come up run the ranks of this list here. Um, so. For the record, Sidney Crosby's 52nd with 7.05 assists here. Um, just to put in perspective. But, yeah, so what does this do to uh, Nicholas Bastion's legacy? Well, I think it merely adds to it. I mean, yep. at least 70 points in five straight regular seasons, 799 points in 815 NHL games. That's almost a point-per-game pace. 20-goal guy for the past three years. He and Ovechkin have been teammates for 11 years. They've combined for 2,136 points over that time period. Yep. Their power play for many years goes through those two guys. And regardless of whether or not they were ever going to win a cup together, this was probably going to be one of the best one-two tandems we've ever seen in NHL history. Yep. Um, especially in, in our generation. Um, just the chemistry that they've had. Like, how many times do you see Baxter making a perfect pass to Ovechkin's wheelhouse and he just one-times it? Like, you know the so pass times. is coming. And that happened in the last and game, And you know too. the shot from Ovechkin's yep. coming, but you still can't do anything about it. It's still going in the net. That actually that happened in the, uh, in the you know, game five, too. There was that goal that happened where Ovechkin got a goal, a power play goal from the dot. From a Backstrom speed, um, so that yeah. was like a fitting. It was a fitting goal that happened that that game. Yeah, and and I think of the two um, between Ovechkin and Backstrom, who got uh, the most hate when they lost, it was Ovechkin all the way. Yeah, like oh, but I, Nicholas yeah. Backstrom is probably top ten underrated players in the league. Yeah, no, I agree. By with that. far, but like the, my my point is, is that. Backstrom should have gotten more blame whenever the Capitals choked in the playoffs because he wasn't performing up to his standard. Um, yeah, you know, whereas Ovechkin was actually doing pretty well um, in the playoffs. So it's it, it wasn't like my point was just more that it wasn't that it wasn't Ovechkin's fault um, whenever they lost or choked in the playoffs. It was usually just the supporting cast or or the goalie or whatever. Um, speaking of goalie. Braden Holtby was incredible. Um, I guess we had another question here later on, but I guess we can start now because I just realized we... Uh, yeah. yeah, I might as well <laughs> get both out of the yeah, way. Yeah, we get, we'll get both out of the way here. Um, so, Braden Holtby was incredible this series. He only gave up 13 goals. Uh, five of those were in the one game that they lost. Um, yeah, and, which was game one. Which was game one. So, if I'm doing my math correctly, that means that they... He gave up eight goals um, in the, the four games, games that they won, yeah. Um, and um, including that save um, in game two against Alex Tuck, um, which was incre- absolutely incredible. Um, it kind of like changed, I felt like that that save like changed the whole dynamic of the game. It felt like. Absolutely, because you know, that goal, yeah, that goal the ties the game, probably sends it to yeah. overtime, and I mean, Vegas has a chance to go up two to nothing. Yeah, for and sure. not, not just the that game. The, I think that was the turning the point of the entire series. Exactly. And um, so I find that incredible. Um, you know, he had, he had a pretty decent 
um, postseason in general, um, he had, let's see here, he had a 9-22 um, save percentage and a 2.16 GAA. It's also like, you know, because I remember towards the regular season where, like, Grubauer was the main guy for most of April. Um, and, like, even Grubauer even started the first two games um, in the first round. So it was almost like, oh, well, does Holtby have it and all that stuff? And then it turns out, like, Holtby, you know, we all knew that Holtby had this all along. He's been one of the most consistent goalies besides this year um, in, in the game. So it's just, like, it was just fitting that, like, he was being, he was rested. And then once it was time for him to shine, you know, that's when he, um, that's when he started to uh, go off, so to speak. Um, so... Um, I find found that kind of impressive that he was able to um, take it to another level um, just at will, basically. Um, so, like, we, there was a lot of talk before the series about how incredible Fleury was, but it was even more incredible of what Holtby was doing. So, uh, kudos to him. I just wanted to shout him out because I feel like he hasn't gotten a ton of press um, in, in this victory um, like he should. So... Um, uh, kudos to him. Um, is there anything else you want to say about Holtby? Well, this this kind of reminds me um, of another goaltending performance, and this was when I was months old, so of course I had to, you know, go through like YouTube documentaries and stuff like that. But uh, remember Patrick Waugh in 1993, all you hockey historians out there. If you look at his regular season stats, Patrick Waugh was not Patrick Waugh. 31-25-5, goals against average, 8.94 save percentage. Not yep. like himself at all. Holpe had a 2.99 GAA and zero shutouts in the regular season. Uh, Patrick Waugh had uh, two shutouts uh, in that 1993 uh, regular season. And so the playoffs come around. The Habs drop the first two to Quebec. Patrick Waugh in the net for both losses. Jacques Demers sticks with him. And he proceeds to win 16 of his next 18 starts en route to a Stanley Cup and a Consmite Trophy. His postseason GAA, 2.13. Sparkling 929 save percentage. 10 of his 16 wins came in overtime. And over the course of his playoff run, you will see several highlights that when you think of Patrick Waugh's career, you'll look back on. Like the 93 finals against LA, he had at least two of them. There was... That wink that he had after he made the save. There was that outstretched glove save, or I don't know how he made that. That was right up there with Braden Holpe saving game two. And it was just coming up in those big moments. That's where Braden Holpe shined right there. That's where Patrick Waugh shined in 1993. Those big moments when you needed a big save, he was right there. And it wasn't like Braden Holpe forgot to stop a puck. He just needed to feel like himself again. And he did, and the Caps are champions because of it. Yeah, I agree. I just realized we're 30 minutes in, so uh, we have to go quick here. But, yeah, no, you're right. Uh, Hopi was um, impressive in the postseason, and, you know, we were kind of worried about him towards the regular season because it seemed like he was declining, but um, he he truly showed what he was capable of in the postseason. So I think that's what it does to his legacy is that, like, he becomes, you know, he um, 
he becomes even more, it adds more to his lore. I guess that's the same for all these three guys. Um, so what was the most memorable moment in these playoffs? Um, how are about these finals? Um, I think we both will say Ovechkin lifting the cup. So, um, and that was a powerful moment indeed, but I'm going to exclude it uh, from this list because it's both our most memorable moments. So, yeah. What was the most memorable moment in these playoffs besides Ovechkin lifting the cup? Um, I think it was watching the Golden Knights, Jets, and Capitals screw up the whole playoff picture because everyone yeah. thought it would be Nashville in the West, maybe Edmonton at the start of the year. Yeah. In the East, Pittsburgh or Tampa were expected to be here. I don't think anyone expected an expansion team to make it this far. I certainly didn't. Yeah. Um, I don't think too many people took a team like Winnipeg seriously enough. I don't think anyone expected Washington to not choke in the playoffs. All three of those teams scrapped the script, wrote their own, made it to the Final Four, and it really messed up my fantasy team. (laughs) But it was damn fun to watch a Final Four that didn't really feature any usual suspects besides Tampa. And it wasn't boring hockey. It was fun. It was exciting. And we had to choose between two very good storylines at the end, which is much better than watching an NBA Finals that was, I don't know, the same as four years ago. Yeah. So that was probably my favorite moment. Uh, also, uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a cop out here. I think when I watched all the Capitals lift the cup, I was, I was pretty happy. That was one of my favorite parts because. Oh, come on, man! I told you, you gotta. <laughs> hey, hey, you said Ovechkin. I know, but just, I said. Okay. Oh, so you're gonna say, all right, fine. I guess it you, was just you what, found a loophole. As they, hoist, as they were hoisting it one by one, showing their raw emotion, like they felt like every single Capitals fan because they waited a long time for this too. It wasn't Ovechkin. Yeah. A bulk of the players never won a Stanley Cup. Jay Beagle, the first player ever to win at the NHL, AHL, and ECHL level, the first day to get the cup was Lars Eller. Yep. A lot of this group didn't know what it was like to win the Stanley Cup, and now they do. And I feel so happy for this team because as a Sens fan who's never watched that, I want that so bad. The Leafs fans want it so bad. The 12 teams that have and their fans that have never won a Stanley Cup want that feeling, want to feel what Washington's feeling right now. And that's why... That was my favorite moment because I could relate. I could relate to watching years of absolutely nothing but playoff failure and regular season failure and just waiting for something good to happen. And for the Capitals, it's right there. They don't have to complain about how bad their team is or how they can't win a cup because they've won it now. And it it was just incredible to watch. Um, So... My choices, well, the first one, um, in terms of the entire playoffs, I have two. One was the uh, Hellebuck's 40-save performance um, against the Predators um, in the Jets. It was just like, you know, from a fantasy perspective, perspective, um, I I had Hellebuck in three of my leagues, so he was my MVP <laughs> for a lot of my teams, and it was, it was kind of like a coming-out moment where I was just like, Oh yeah, Hellebuck's really good. You know, it's like people notice that 
he uh, he was really good, and there was a couple of hours where people were just saying how he was really good. And it's just like I know I've been watching. I had him on my team, <laughs> um, so so for that I liked it. And then another one for pers- another personal reason, but a different personal reason. I'm going to go with the game seven of the Boston Bruins Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, just again, it was like another thing where I never thought I would see another three goal deficit, especially from the Toronto, uh, from the Toronto Maple Leafs being ahead with this squad, um, you know, with this new squad and like five years later, uh, the Bruins come back in a game seven, uh, from three goals down and then they make it seven to four. They didn't even have to put them into overtime. They give up like, uh, the Maple Leafs give up four unanswered goals in the third period. I love, especially loved how Jake DeBrus put in all that effort uh, to uh, take the lead um, towards the end. And so, um, so yeah, it was, uh, you know, of course it wasn't like a 4-1 because it, it turned out it was 4-3, but um, at the same time it's just, it was an incredible performance and an incredible game to watch. Um, I remember that entire third period, I was just thinking like, oh God, I, we're, it's going to be this again. This is what it was like um, if we lost that 4-1 game. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we just start scoring. I'm like, oh right, of course, this, this is what they've been doing all the time. So it gave me kind of hope that like for the future, because I didn't really expect the Bruins to make it too far. But like this was like one of those things where I was like, all right, this was all worth it. This was, yeah. um, you know, like, even if we get swept by the Lightning, I'm okay with it because we showed that, you know, this is a young team, but we we definitely grew from um, last season, so there was a marked improvement. Um, I'll, 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 I'll uh, pick another moment here. Caps beating the Penguins, finally. Okay. Finally beating the Penguins in the fashion that they did. Uh, it, was, it was finally nice to see uh, Ovechkin... Uh, get his moment against Crosby. And, and I think that's what made it even sweeter because they went through the Penguins to get to the finals and yeah. win it all. Is yeah, that's that's, also that's the overall satisfaction is that we didn't just take the easy route. We beat Pittsburgh, we beat Tampa Bay, yeah. and we even beat um, a, maybe some would say an overachieving expansion team. But for the most part, they went through some very tough teams. And, yep. they earned it. Um, and then in these finals, I'm going to – Take, I've already talked about the save, um, but I was going to say the um, that uh, Smith Pelly like flying goal basically where he dies um, and moves around the pocket and and uh, does the gate has a game tying goal um, in game five. Um, that was just an incredible like performance from him. Um, Devontae Smith Pelly like stock rose so much in the yeah. past well. I was looking here, he only had eight goals in the regular season. So like to like go from that to like actually being like a Stanley Cup hero um is incredible. So I uh, uh but like especially that feat where like his uh you know, his narrative also changed where he's all of a sudden like he's gonna be in the history books whenever you look back at this um, you know, at that series, you're going to think about that Devontae Smith Pelly goal, um, and just think about like where you were at that time, um, when you saw it. So, um, I'm going to give credit to that. Um, do you think the Capitals can do this again? 
Uh, and that is the grand old question, especially when you consider how good the Bruins, Leafs, Bolts, and Pens are going to be moving forward. Um, you look at Ovechkin, he's got three years left on his current deal, paying him exactly $10 million per year. Uh, Backstrom, two years left on his current deal, pays him between 7 and $8 million. He's 30, and yep. Ovi is going to be 33 by the time uh, the regular season rolls around. Uh, Kuznetsov and Oshie both getting paid a considerable amount of money over the next three-plus years. A guy like Braden Holpe in two years is going to be a UFA. He's making $5 million a year right now. Um, for the immediate future, re-signing John Carlson is, is a priority. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the only big thing that they have to worry about. I think uh, extending Tom Wilson uh, will be something else as well. Um, and ultimately, I think in order for them to be successful for years to come, you have to see a replication of what this team was able to do in the playoffs. Like, Ovi yeah. needs to be on point. Backstrom, Holtby. Because Netsov, Eller, and Smith Pelly, all their depth guys, they need to be on the same page. Right. That's what it's going to take for uh, McClellan to keep this team good for many years to come. They're young guys like Stevenson, Verena, Burakovsky, yeah. uh, Tom Wilson, as I mentioned. All of them need to continue to develop and elevate their level of play. Um, and. On top of that, they have four RFAs and five UFAs with $11 million to spend this offseason. So it's going to be tough cap-wise to keep this team good. It's going to be tough to keep this team good talent-wise because all the other teams are probably going to get better. If you were to ask me who is more likely to reach the finals first, Vegas or Washington, I would say Vegas. And yeah, it's no question. Uh, and I, I don't know about that per se, because I feel like the Capitals, like the only two th- things that has me worry about the Capitals is, um, I mean, well, I guess three things. So one is they're a relatively old crew. Um, Ovechkin's 32 years old, Kuznetsov's 26, Backstrom's 30. Uh, those are their core group players. And Oshie's 31, um, and he has a, he has like eight more years left on his deal. So, um, so it's very possible that like these guys won't necessarily be as good as they were this season. So perhaps their window was closed or not, but I feel like you can't count them out now that you have Ovechkin Holtby on your squad. Um, I think their championship windows two to three years though. I don't yeah. think it's as big as Vegas's. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like Vegas, well, I'll get to Vegas when we talk about their obituary. Yeah. Um, and then, um, so the the second worry is uh, guys that might be leaving this year. Uh, John yeah. Carlson and Barry Trotz. We'll get to Trotz in a second, but I feel like John Carlson was, like, really huge uh, for the Capitals' success this, this offseason. And I'm not necessarily sure um, if... Like, it, it all depends on if the Capitals can keep him or not. Um, I think he's the Capitals are going to re-sign him, but, um, you know, Toronto could make an offer that he can't refuse, or, um, you know, I'm sure there's, you know, there's a ton of, uh, like, his stock rose a lot in these, um, in these playoffs, so I imagine he'll get paid if he were to test the open market. Um, but it, it's really up to him 
and I think that could have a big effect on them because I don't really have much faith on their defensemen other than Carlson uh, to pick up his slack. So I'm not necessarily sure. Like, I mean, Matt, Matt Nisiginen is kind of underrated, but I don't think he's as good as John Carlson. Um, so yeah, like Nis- Niskanen and Orlov were a pretty good pairing, but as yeah. a top two pairing, uh, right? Exactly. Orlov and Juice uh, weren't bad either, but yeah, I, I think uh, this uh, team can't afford to lose John Carlson. Um, and yeah. then, and then Trotz, which we'll get to in a second, but um, I, I feel like if they make a coaching change or if Trotz decides to leave. I feel like they're gonna they're gonna be in trouble because you know Trotz has proven that he's a good coach, um, and yeah. now that he has a Cup final and he knows these guys, um, it's it's just hard to replicate that. So um, I find it that it would be hard for him to like. Um, I feel like the Capitals and uh, need to keep him on the on the leash just to, because once you have a good coach, you know you're set. Um, almost yeah. relatively speaking. So, um, so there's that. And then I guess lastly, you, you brought up how like guys like Lars Eller, Tom Wilson, Devontae Smith, Pelly, um, those guys were like huge in the playoffs. Um, yeah. and they kind of overachieved in a sense. Um, so those guys, I feel like if those guys, those guys were the X factor in a sense. And I think if those guys can like just, turn it on in the playoffs. Like, they don't even have to have another a re- good regular season. If they turn it on in the playoffs, then I think they have something. But otherwise, then it's it's going to be an issue. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Also, I guess, in, uh, to leave this on a high note, they also have Andre Burakovsky and Jacob Verana, who are both very young guys. Um, and they had a couple of, like, signature goals that happened in the playoffs. So, um, I feel like if they can develop those guys, then maybe they don't necessarily have to worry about the Lars Ellers and the Devontae Smith Pellies and the Tom Wilsons stepping up again. So, yeah. Um, so there's there's that to look forward to. Um, if that if that if like if those three guys I just mentioned. Um, I feel like uh, it'd be good to keep around Tom Wilson because he's yes. kind of like uh, Brad Marchand before he became a superstar. Right. Except everyone should have been, made... been with the odd goal and piss you off. Exactly. Um, well, he was on the Ovechkin-Backstrom line for a couple of uh, games, um, and he was actually doing pretty well for them, I remember, in the regular season. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me a bit of like uh, Furland playing with Monaghan and Goudreau. Not yes. necessarily a guy that you put on the first line, but a guy that's played on the first line and did pretty well. Right. I guess the only question mark for those guys, it's like, just like Brad Marchand early on, it's just like, can they sustain it? And that, I'm yeah, not sure. exactly. Um, all right. Then we have a couple of other news items that we just want to get into. They're less, they're not questions, but they're more just like, we have to get them out there because we want to talk about them. Um, so, uh, Oh wait. Oh no, I skipped a question. Uh, so, first question, last question, uh, what will happen to Barry Trotz? Well, this is an interesting uh, predicament because if you remember back in 1994 when the Rangers won the Stanley Cup, Mike Keenan was their coach, and there are rumors that uh, towards the end of the season that uh, Detroit wanted him. And yep. he said, all oh, those, you know, don't don't read too much into that rumors. You know, we, we've got, you know, a Stanley Cup to win. 
basically is what he was saying. And uh, then he takes a job in St. Louis in the offseason. And uh, that as a perky GM gig, I'm not saying that Trotz is going to get that. But I can see a team looking at a guy saying, hmm, he's won a Stanley Cup. Hmm, he's a good coach. Let's get him. Right. And um, as we're going to talk about in the rapid fire, there is a particular team that is in need of a head coach. Right. That, uh, well, I don't know how much that, time that, we'll have. That is, that is probably uh, going to be going in an interesting direction and yeah. probably would like Barry Trost to be a part of that. Uh, and I think there is an NHL team for sure willing to take a chance on Barry Trotz and probably willing him uh, to pay him more money than Washington, than Washington could. Yeah. So um, I don't think it's a slam dunk that he stays in Washington. I can see why he would. Uh, but if there's a better opportunity for him to win long term, I, I wouldn't blame him if he took it. Um, I believe the he was at Barry Trotz and Ted Leonis. Leonis I, I'm, I'm definitely butchering that last name there. <laughs> uh, but anyways, he's the Capitals uh, owner. Capitals owner, yeah. Uh, the owner said that uh, Trotz has the job if he wants it. Um, and Trotz said that he kind of like treats the he, – he thinks of the Caps players like his children – so the odds are is that he's probably going to stay in the Capitals would be my venture. Which would make sense, yeah. Yeah. But if I'm going to be a hot take artist here, I think you might be onto something with this secretive team that we're uh, we're going to talk about in the rapid fire. I think there is uh, something to it where I guess I can reveal the team because we uh, I'm not sure if we'll get to it by then, but. Um, in this episode, but uh, yeah, the Islanders, uh, Lou Lamarillo um, became the GM uh, this week, and uh, Lou, like if you remember when Lou got the Maple Leafs GM job, his first move was getting uh, Mike Babcock, um, and I think there could be something there where um, if, if he can get shots there, especially then they're more likely to keep Tavares and um, build around that kind of at, build around Barzal and all that stuff because you have your coach um, in that sense. But uh, it, it's really it all comes down to what Trotz feels like. If he wants yeah. to, if he wants to go to the island, then he can go to the island. Um, but if he wants to stay in Washington, um, he can stay in Washington. I do remember that there was like I was also reading that like. You know, the writing was on the wall, and maybe Trotz, like, feels kind of offended, and he's just like, fine, you guys don't think I can win a cup, here's your cup, and then just leaves and goes on to another team. So I could also see that happening, too, but um, it all really depends on what Trotz feels like, and I think it's it's really up to him um, where he goes. Yeah, and now that he's won a Stanley Cup, you know, he, he, he doesn't have to worry about, you know, going to a team and, and winning a Stanley Cup right away. Yeah. Because now that he's won a Stanley Cup, you know, if there's a good offer with money on the table and a good experience that uh, would be a dream gig for a coach, you know, why not take that? Like, yeah. you've won your Stanley Cup already. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so, so now... Um, we have a couple of uh, just things to get to uh, before we uh, – oh, we, I guess we have a couple more questions after this. But uh, So first off, um, TJ Oshie uh, got a little bit emotional about his dad 
Um, it's kind of like these special moments that I love whenever the Stanley Cup happens where, like, we didn't even realize that, like, Oshi w- was having his dad had a, like, um, has Alzheimer's. Yeah. And he was in mid-tears um, on the ice because he was saying that, like, he was going to give his dad a hug and said that, you know, he has Alzheimer's and he can't remember a lot of things, so that's what Alzheimer's is. Um you know, just having trouble remembering things. And he said that this moment will be something that he'll never forget because his dad was like his coach for this entire, you know, for his entire career. And it's just like a dream come true kind of thing. So it's like these moments like that kind of like, I was like, I had goosebumps when, when I saw that speech. Cause I was just like, Oh my God, this is like, this means so much to TJ Oshi. This means so much to his dad. And it's just like a, just a special quote and a special moment for him. Um, so, um, yeah, so uh, uh, it just shows how passionate certain hockey families get um, with these kind of things. And, it, you know, if you ever have a close relationship with your dad around sports, it's just, it's hard not to get, um, you know, are not to relate to that kind of aspect. Especially when they do everything they can, like, to raise you up to be a good person, yeah. to be a good hockey player, and, you know, you, you you hope that, you know, one day they get to be a Stanley Cup champion, that they play in the big leagues, and then all yeah. of that happens, and you're like, oh, my God, this is this is real. Yep, exactly. Uh, and that's when the emotions kind of take over, and it, it creates a moment like that. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, I know Oshi didn't have a great season this year. I was I was wondering maybe it's because of this, his dad getting Alzheimer. Maybe it had an effect on him. Battling Alzheimer's, maybe. But no. I mean, I don't want to. I guess I shouldn't speculate that. But um, <laughs> no, but that might not be it, the right route to go. But um, it, it, the the mental side of hockey is 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 an, is another animal too. Yeah, like, exactly. You can be physically fine, but just mentally not there. And that's kind of what. Yeah, that was what I was about. Yeah, I don't know, like, because I I feel like that also affected uh, Murray Matt Murray's play. Yeah, it's Matt Murray's dad died. Um, Yeah, I, 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 it's tough to say. um, It's tough to say if uh, if it was just an off year for Matt Murray or not. Right, because he was also injured too. Yeah, it was it was rather sudden, I think. But true. Um, but yeah, I imagine like those kind of moments where, you know, where someone in your family, it'd be hard to focus on other things was more my, my guess, but I don't want to speculate too much. So, um, (laughs) I feel like I just realized that's a little bit of a touchy issue, so I'm I'm not going to talk anymore about that. Uh, other kind of cool factoids here, um, or interesting tidbits, I guess, um, Beagle. Uh, Jay Beagle is the first player ever to win at the NHL, AHL, and ECHL level, um, which I think is kind of cool, too. And this is another thing where, like, if you know um, all about the hockey development and you know, like, about these guys and what it takes to play hockey, you know, this is really cool that, like, you know, ECHL and AHL and NHL, those are all three different leagues in North America, um, in the professional realm of things and they all like, you know, they're all different and they're all, um, you know, just to win, be a winner in all three of those leagues is pretty impressive, especially like, you know, you join the ECHL, you're not even sure if you're going to ever be in the NHL ever. 
and then you know you come you go into the AHL you're still not sure and then you're in the NHL and you're like okay well now that I'm here let's try to win the Stanley Cup and that may never happen either so it's just cool that like you can have all three of those things and I'm sure we'll never see that kind of thing again um just because it's so rare to have that happen where a guy come, like takes this route of going through the ECHL, HL, and NHL. And again, one of the many storylines that just made this team so special. Yep. And then lastly, Lars Eller becomes the first Dane to get the cup. I was kind of surprised by this because I felt like there, is, there had to be another Danish player who has a cup ever in the history of things, but apparently no. Also, also, I don't know if you've noticed, but the Montreal connection is just absolutely oh, yeah. savage. Right. Smith Pelly played there. Yep. Um, Lars Heller played there. Carl Alsner left for Washington to go to yeah. Montreal. Right. And he watches his former teammates win it. Yeah, it's true. Well, I kind of, I especially loved uh, that Lars Eller got the game winning goal, the series winning goal. And yep. uh, Smith Pelly got the game tying uh, goal there in Game Five, so it's just like a bed of Bergevin, Bergevin wishes they had those guys. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, all right. Speaking of that, uh, other teams. Which team will be the next to win their first cup? I believe there are twelve teams, and I believe there are twelve teams that still haven't won their first cup in honor of the Capitals um, winning their first cup. So we have Buffalo, Ottawa, Florida, Columbus. By the way, Columbus is the only Metro team to never have a cup in their history. Winnipeg, Nashville, Minnesota, St. Louis, Vegas, San Jose, Vancouver, and Arizona. Um, So those are those 12. Um, I think the closest is probably Nashville and then Winnipeg at the moment. But I wouldn't be surprised if Vegas or San Jose um, gets there um, before them. Um, yeah, <laughs> those are my thoughts. Um, also, uh, St. Louis has a fair amount of prospects now with uh, Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo. Um, if Robbie Fabry stays healthy, Robbie Fabry. Yeah, and they also have Tarasenko, of course. So. Um, you know, they have Pedrangelo, Pareko. Um, now they just need to worry about their goaltending. So they could be a sneaky um, team that could win pretty soon. Um, but um, at the moment, I think Nashville and Winnipeg are are close, neck and neck, in terms of getting their first cup. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah, they seem to be most equipped from top to bottom. Uh, some of their core pieces, like Pecorine, are running out of time to yeah. win. And I think they're going to have the skill and the urgency level to put it all together. And yeah. I could even see it happening next year as well. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, Winnipeg and Vegas are the other two teams that come to mind. They're going to have a pretty good window as well. Of course, my heart is hoping Ottawa, but realistically, that's probably not going to happen. Yeah, we'll see. Speaking of that, uh, the 2019 Stanley Cup odds, um, according to Bovada, uh, came out this week. Um, we kind of just, fa- I found this a little bit interesting. So the, the, the uh, top odds, or the, uh, the favorite, were the Lightning, 
with 9-1 to odds. Um, then the Bruins, Maple Leafs, Golden Knights, and Jets are um, at 10-1 to odds. The Lightning have 9-1 to odds. Um, and then last place is your Ottawa Senators at 100-1, to which I kind of find ridiculous because Vancouver, Arizona, Detroit, the Rangers, Sabres, Islanders, and Hurricanes eh, all have better odds than the Senators, um, um, which I think is kind of crazy. I'm not saying that the Senators are should be cup favorites. I just find that those four, te- those five teams that are obviously rebuilding um, shouldn't. Um, like it seems ridiculous to me that those guys. Um, are ahead of the Senators at the moment. Um, maybe Especially when you consider that yeah. the Oilers had the ninth best odds and they did just as bad as Ottawa and kind yeah. of have the same defensive and goaltending issues as the Sens True. do. Yeah. But uh, it's because they have Carter McDavid and they're expecting, oh, yeah. surely they can't be that again, right? Right, yeah. Meanwhile, exactly. meanwhile, all the uncertainty in Ottawa and the probability that Carlson's going to get traded, I think, factored into the True. decision. But to be yeah. fair, Vegas had 201, 200 to 1 odds to win the cup last year and uh right, <laughs> kind of made the finals. So. Vegas kind of changes everything, you know, like yeah. just how we think about things. But yeah, <laughs> I, I I think I, I saw this in an article. I think this is like Ty Anderson um of uh, Sportsnet, not Sportsnet. Um he's on uh the Sports Hub. Um okay. it's a radio show here in Boston. But like he was saying how like uh like the Bruins are the second best odds um, to win, but it's it's all because of like the fan base. So if the Bruins didn't have a huge fan base, because like realistically, I feel like the Bruins shouldn't have the second best odds. Um, they should probably be somewhere in the middle. Um, if I'm being realistic, um, so like it, it all has to, like the reason why the Bruins, the the Knights, and the Leafs are higher up is because. They the fan bases put in bids for them. So like in order for Vegas to get any money is they need to like uh you know count their losses in a way and so so these odds are less about like which team realistically will win the cup and more has to do with like there's some factors in terms of fan bases where you're more likely to like choose the Oilers at eighteen to one. So they can kind of yeah. like entice the people. I was like, wondering how, yeah. how they uh, came up with those numbers. Yeah. Like, how, are they even a realistic representation right. of the numbers? Or like people paying just like, I'll put, put in a good word for me if I give right. you 10 bucks. Well, like I know like the Bruins have always had like good advanced stats. So there may be something to that. But there's yeah. also like, you know, the factor that like, you know, they were one of the best teams in the league. This year, I I don't necessarily, I mean, I I obviously would love them to win the Stanley Cup, but I don't think they have, they should have 10 to 1 odds. I would say they're more likely 20 to 1 odds, but um, there should be 20 to 1 odds. I was actually thinking of putting in a bid, but when they have 10 to 1 odds, I don't think it's worth it. So maybe it does the opposite effect of what Vegas wants me to do. Um... Yeah, I don't know if you have any more thoughts on this, but uh, I was going to go it's, in. It's more along the lines of don't read too deep into these numbers, people. They're probably going to be wrong. True. So, also, <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's just nice to yeah. debate. 
also, it's like, you know, the offseason hasn't really started. Like, we haven't had the draft yet. We haven't had free yeah. agency yet. So no this could all change. Either. No, no trades trade. yet. Exactly. So, and I have a feeling that's probably why Ottawa had the last odds is because they expect Eric Carlson. They Carlson. expect Ottawa yeah. to mess up this Eric Carlson thing. So um, that's probably has something to do with it. But I still find it ridiculous that they have Ottawa as the last place. Like, I know that they were bad this entire season, but just like, what? <laughs> it doesn't seem to make sense. Maybe I will put a, a bet in on the Senators just so I can uh, <laughs> be that guy. But um, it just it seems like those were ridiculously too high for them. Just um, an FYI, uh, the Bulls had the 16th best odds at this time last year. The Jets were a bottom 10 team. Uh, both of them were like top five, top ten teams in the league. And right. at that point when the poll was taken, Tampa hadn't re-signed Stamkos and they hadn't traded Druin to Montreal. So and Vegas uh, there, was a, there was a lot of unknowns with Tampa Bay there. And Vegas didn't exist back then. <laughs> yeah, and we didn't even know what their team would be like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so so there's that. Um, okay, um, so now that Ovi finally wins his cup, this is the last question, by the way. Um, who else would we want to see hoist their cup, and will they? Um, the only two that stick out to me right now, and I'm sure you have them on this list um, as well, is Jumbo Joe Thornton. Um, I know he's a UFA this year. Um, I don't think I. Th- I'm not sure what, the- and I know he had like surgery, so I wouldn't be surprised if Thornton just retires um, this year, but. Um, if he doesn't and he stays with the Sharks, it, it's like maybe he gets the cup, but it really just depends on where he goes. Because if he stays with the Sharks, I'm not necessarily sure that they can win the cup next year. Um, and he's like 39 years old. It's it's kind of iffy to see if he has, how much left he has with him, especially with this injury uh, this season. So I'm not sure... If he'll ever do it, but he's definitely a hall of a first ballot hall of famer. Um, if he does decide to retire, and then the other one is uh, Henrik Lundqvist. Um, he said for years that he never wants to leave uh, New York. Even he's he's gonna stick with the ride. He's long for the ride, even when they rebuild. Um, so unless that changes, um, it's gonna be a while for him until he gets his cup. Um, Unless he changes his mind, though, so um, there is something to that. But um, I, I don't know. I hope that one of those two will ever win their cup, but I just don't see that they will ever do that. Um, I'm sure you had those two on your list of who you were thinking of, but um, There's, it was Thornton and who else? Lundquist, Henrik Lundquist. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Definitely. Lundquist and uh, Thornton are on there. Um. A couple of other guys, though, Carey Price, John Tavares, yep. uh, Patrick Marlowe is another one, too. Um, those are the five that stand out to me. They've been stars for their franchises. They've been through thick and thin to help develop the game of hockey in yep. their communities. Um, and while Patrick Marlowe is likely to achieve this with Toronto, I think he's got the best odds out of this bunch because yep. the Leafs are the new Washington Capitals. At some point, you know they're going to put it all together and they're finally going to win. Um the Except, Isles have a long way to go, so I don't think it's going to be Tavares. Unless uh, Tavares Price, leaves, but yeah. Yeah. Carey Price and uh, King Henrik, they're relied on too much by their teams. 
I don't think either club has the pieces necessary. Also, to be Price has like contenders. So. Also, Price has like injury issues, yeah. so we're not necessarily sure if he can even uh, be healthy for a full year. Yeah, and, and Hank's getting up there in age too. Yeah, so. uh, regarding Thornton, even if he sticks around, the Sharks have got to deal with Vegas. The yeah. other two California teams, the two Alberta franchises, they're Three probably going to get uh, their you-know-what together at some point. Yeah. And then, big deal, if you get through that, you got to go through the Central Division. That's yeah. a pretty tall order for San Jose. And uh, now that Marlowe's out of the picture and Pavelski and Couture are going to be pending UFAs, I don't know if they have the pieces uh, to get yeah. through all that and give Joe Thornton his title. So, I, kind uh, of want, yeah. I kind of want Lundquist to... Uh, go to San Jose just so he can join Thornton because I feel like that's like the I, I biggest. I think that's the only way Lundqvist is going to win a cup is if he leaves the Rangers. Yeah, I know, and I don't think that's going to happen. But I was just saying, like, if Jumbo stays in San Jose, Lundqvist goes to San Jose, and they work out some deal where Martin Jones is still the goalie or something, or Aaron yeah, Dell comes back. Yeah, that'd be sick tandem, though. Yeah, and then. Yeah, I think that that's what I'm hoping for, but I I think that's like a that has like a one percent chance of happening. Yeah, it's a pipe dream, probably. From what point, from right? what I from what I've read, Lundqvist doesn't plan on moving. So, um, yeah. I mean, I guess it makes sense. There is something to like just being loyal to your team, but um, at the same time, it's kind of like I don't know. Like I I think I'd rather have a cup at this point. Like you know, as a Bruins fan, I should know with how we dealt with Ray Bork. We were very happy to uh, send Bork to Colorado just because Boston wasn't ready at that point. So there is that thing. In fact, this is kind of famous. This is how desperate Boston was at that point. Uh, When Ray Bork won his cup, uh, Boston had a parade for Ray Bork. Yeah. um, Because our, our... we weren't yeah, sure because we were... your team couldn't give it to them. Yeah, but like it's it's felt more pathetic at that time because it's like we weren't sure that Boston was ever going to win a championship. Little did we know, but at the time we were just like, oh, okay, we'll give it to Ray Bork. We'll have a parade for Ray Bork because he's uh, he's been here for forever. Um, yeah. But like it's just like, uh, what's going on? Uh, speaking of parades. Um, apparently, the, there was a rumor out there that the Golden State, um, not the Golden State, the Golden Knights were going to, Vegas was going to have a parade for the Golden Knights, even if they lost. Um, apparently, that's not true, but um, they um, will do a obituary, obituary for them now, um, which I, I would have been totally against that um, if, if that were to happen. It's like, you know, you lost. I mean, I understand that they had an inaugural season, but you have the award show to uh, celebrate that season. Um, But, like, you know, that kind of just shows that, like, you know, this season is by far a success. Even if they lost in the Stanley Cup Finals, it's like they, you know, they finally, they proved every single hater wrong. Um, And, you know, the scary thing is is that they're probably going to be pretty good for the decent, uh, relative future. Um, they have Jonathan Marchessault, who's 27, Cody Eakin, who's 27, Thomas Tatar, who's 27. Um, they do have to deal with William Carlson, 
um, who's going to be an RFA. He's 25 years old. Um, there's also a couple of other players. Shea Theodore is also an RFA, and so is Colin Miller. Um, and so they have to deal with that. And then they also have uh, James Neal, David Perron, um, and um, and uh, I think there's a Mikel Gravosky. I don't think he really counts. but um, So they have a couple of UFAs and RFAs to deal with this season. Um, this off season, but um, more or less, like Jonathan Marchessault seems to be the guy who stirs the drinks, so they have that to go forward. Um, not sure if Fleury can be this good um, since he's 33 years old, but um, he has one year left. Um, that would be my main concern, um, is that they seem to be top, top line heavy, um, and we'll see if like William Carlson can sustain um, his season, uh, this, uh, from next season, um, but, like, you know, so, I could see Vegas falling, but then again, you know, they plan for this, considering they have Cody Glass, they have Nick Suzuki, they have Nicholas Haig, who won the CHL Defenseman of the Year Award, um, they have, um, I think there's another guy who I'm missing out on, Jake LeCision, um, I think that's how you pronounce him. Eric Brandstorm also in their system. So they have a couple of guys, uh, prospects, um, that could take over. Um, but at the meantime, I could see there being a drop-off. But again, I, I'm done predicting how this team is going to do. Um, you know, it's like one of those things where I'll see when I believe it kind of things. Um, but at the moment, it seemed like they were exposed in the finals, and I wonder if because the Capitals exposed them at the end, that other teams will join suit and finally figure them out. Um, so there is a possibility for that. So I could see them being a top ten, te- like a bottom ten team. You think next they season. could regress like the Sens did this year? Yeah, I could see that happening, but maybe I don't not want as bad to the point where they trade a franchise player, maybe. But yeah, I I don't you think, think that you think that in year two people are going to start figuring yeah, it out. Yeah, unless I should say that they do have enough money. Speaking of the Senators, they do have enough money to get Eric Carlson and sign John Tavares, and in which case, then they're the automatic Stanley Cup contender. Or John Carlson and John Tavares. Yeah, or or do that too. Um, so, or they could get all three of those guys, probably. Or trade for Phil Kessel, maybe. Yeah, yeah, or trade for Phil Kessel. So, it all depends on that, but at the current moment, I find this team to be, um, their defensemen were kind of exposed, um, other than Shea, Shea Theodore and Colin Miller were really good, but I'm not so sure, I'm not sold on Braden McNabb, Nate Schmidt, and those guys. So those yeah, guys, McNabb and Merrill are the only defensemen yeah. under contract until the end of the 2019-2020 yeah. season. So their defense is wide open. Yeah. Um, also, a jo- it seemed like they were top line heavy, where Jonathan Marchessault, Riley Smith, and uh, William Carlson were the only three guys who were even doing anything. Um, but like they kind of like stopped showing up. Um, in the Stanley Cup Finals, so it just shows that, like, you know, guys like David Perron, they need him to show up. He was, like, invisible the entire playoffs. Maybe he was yeah. injured, or maybe, like, apparently he was healthy scratched, 
for the finals, so there is a possibility that like he's not as good. Uh, James Neal was was okay. he kind of showed up in the finals, but uh, and not speaking as much. of healthy scratch, what about Thomas Tatar? Yeah, you know, Thomas this Tatar. Guy has a top six held, potential. Yeah. What's his role going to be? And they gave up a first, a second, and a third for him, so yeah. he needs to show up. So there is definitely a ton of question marks here, but at the same time, like you know, we're not sure how to expect what to expect from this team because, you know, they far exceeded our expectation where they kind of, like, blew our minds. Like, well, I don't know what to believe anymore. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so I'm at that point where I'm like, I'm not sure what to believe anymore um, because, like, I thought this team was going to be decent but not this good. Um, And now I'm like, okay, well, maybe... Maybe it's going to be this this next season, which is where they're going to finally drop off, but I'm not sure. But see, here's the difference between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Ottawa Senators. The Vegas Golden Knights, um, they got seven second-round draft picks over the 2019 and 2020 drafts, a first-rounder in both. Like you said, a lot of good prospects coming up. They have lots uh, of room to improve, and... Uh, Taking a look at the money they, don't they have to spend, a they have, over, they first, have over $26 million to spend this year, roughly $40 million in cap space for 2019-2020. So they got more room to spend than the Sens did. The Sens decided to stand pat and not do too much, not tinker with their lineup. Yep. Vegas has got to get better, period. Plain and simple, they have got to be better on paper next year. And I definitely think they're going to go big game hunting. They are going to try and go for a slam dunk when it comes to a free agent or someone on the trading block, they are going to do something big this offseason. Yeah, or I could. two or three things. But, I could see that happening. Uh, they, they, they need to improve. They can't just stand pat and do nothing and accept that, okay, our team's good enough to do this again next year. Yeah, I, I can agree with that, especially considering that Fleury is 33 years old. He's not going to be any younger. Um, yeah. Exactly. And you don't know what Malcolm Subban's going to be if he exactly. if he takes over the reins as the number one goalie. Exactly, and you also have like you know their defense. They need to fix that defense. I'm not sure if their forward group is strong enough in terms of depth. So, um, so they have a lot of things to worry about. But um, yeah, I, I think there is uh, until further notice, they're um, they're going to regress a lot, especially they, also. The good news is, I think that's going to help, is that they have the coaching staff in place that can get the most out of the players that they have. And the one thing that I will suggest is, if they go for big-name players, make sure they fit the system that they play. True. Because all it takes is one mischemistry to mess everything up. If you're John Tavares, would Vegas intrigue you? (laughs) <laughs> that is a very good question. Um, honestly, if I'm John Tavares, I'm open to any and all options. Right. Uh, I think I think Vegas has got some street cred, though. True. I think they've they've made a lot yeah. of noise. I think they've got a lot of people's attention, and I think John Tavares owes it to Vegas to if they have a pitch for them, at least listen to it. Yeah, I think they have a better chance than the Islanders in terms of a cup. Yeah, I think I, I think that's, that's safe to say yes. If, the, if that's what he's chasing for, I know Matt Barzal is something, but they also have, like, you know, goalie issues and defense stuff. So, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I feel like 
I feel like this could be a another situation where, like, remember when uh, Ginla was the hot free agent, and yep. he went. I know Ginla's not Sean Tavares, but um, it's a similar kind of thing where, like, you know, Jerome Ginla was the hot free agent that everyone wanted, and then he ends up going to Colorado, which was the hot young team at the time, and then they start losing all his time, you know. So it's I, I could see that like happening, and then it kind of destroys them because the Golden Knights defense and their goaltending situation is as shaky as the Islanders, um, even if it's not at the moment. So I don't know. Um, it could it could happen. Um, and then I guess we do have some time. Um, we're at an hour 20. Um, Lou Lamarillo, speaking of the Islanders, um, Lou Lamarillo is now the Islanders GM. Um, instead of the president of a hockey operation and Snow, uh, John, John Snow, um, Gar Snow, um, and Doug Waite are out as their coach um, and GM. But um, it's, so it you're appears, saying those billboard signs worked, did they? Um, I'm not necessarily sure, but I guess the writing was on the wall when they uh, when <laughs> Lou started to, um, I guess. Literally, the writing was on the wall. Um, because uh, when Lou joined the squad of the presidency, you were telling me this before the show that uh, Snow and Wait were surprised because they didn't even realize that Lou was going to be hired as the president of hockey operations. And I was thinking, like, in hindsight, it makes perfect sense because, you know, Lou was the GM for the Maple Leafs. It's not like he was. And it, to be the president of hockey operations yeah, for the Islanders. Yeah, that's not a normal. Sense. That's not a normal job yeah. for a guy like Lou. And also, there was like there's kind of this conspiracy theory going on, which I also said before the show. Well, this time I said it, not you. Um, but uh, that Snow, um, there's a, there's been some reports that Snow has this like lifetime um, contract with the Islanders where he can't be fired. Um, and that's kind of why he's been so comfortable the last couple of years with his position because he, he figures like, oh, well, I have this job for life and all that stuff. But, uh, apparently he's still in the organization, just not, he's not going to be the GM anymore. Um, so, so it's a little interesting, but, um, I don't know. It, It is, I mean, Lou was able to get, um, Mike Babcock as coach. Um, when he was on Toronto, and then he was able to get, um, you know, he signed uh, Patrick Marlowe. Um, he doesn't really get credit for drafting uh, Austin Matthews because he uh, he was the sure thing at the time. So um, it's still unclear if Lou Lamarillo is a good GM for this new NHL, of course, he's a good GM in the old NHL when he was the Devils GM, but um, I'm still not sure if he's, like, a good GM in terms of getting guys, And um, but he may be the guy to keep Tavares in New York. Um, that That is definitely a possibility. It just all depends on what else he can do um, to get Tavares to stay. Um, and that, um, that will, that's going to be the biggest uh thing in the offseason and that's going to be all the attention towards is what's going to happen with John Tavares because if John Tavares leaves 
Then the Islanders have to figure out what they're going to do. Um, they have to build around Matt Barzal, probably. And then, you know, Tavares moves to a, some other team, supposedly a contender. And then, you know, all the all the other dominoes start to drop. But um, if he stays, then it's like, what are the Islanders going to do to get him to stay? And that I'm not sure. And um, maybe they'll get trots, as we were alluding to before, but I'm not sure. Um, so, yeah, anyways, I've been talking for a bit. Um, what are your thoughts? So here's uh, an interesting quote from Lula Morello. Uh, it's my opinion at this point that there's a culture change that's needed and there's new voices needed in different areas. And because of that, the changes were made. But there's been a lot of changes for different reasons. And right now is just trying to stabilize everything. Start off with a fresh face, with a fresh mind, fresh coach, and just go forward. The Tavares situation certainly has not and did not enter into any of the decisions that were made. Uh, not, not every true. coach is for every team and not every team is for every coach. If we had that coach, he'd be in place. Which leads me to believe, hmm, culture change. Is John Tavares a part of that? Right. Um, because there's a lot that needs to happen, not just re-sign Tavares. Yep. You need to fix your defense, maybe get some more depth at forwards, and for sure fix the darn goaltending. Right. And what's interesting, you mentioned Barry Trotz. There's also uh, rumblings that um, one of one of the things that Lou Lamorello has done as general manager of previous teams when he was in New Jersey, toward the tail end of his uh, run with New Jersey, he traded uh, um, for with Vancouver to get Corey Schneider because they had a 1A, 1B thing going on. And he took advantage of that and he snagged Schneider uh, because he – out of feeling, oh, the Canucks are probably going to take Luongo over him. Uh, and then he goes to Toronto. He sees that Anaheim has a 1A, 1B thing with John Gibson and Freddie Anderson. He snakes Freddie Anderson. That turns out to be a good investment for the Leafs. Now word is he might be going after Philip Grubauer in Washington, which lead, which maybe adds more fuel to the fire of, gee, what if Barry Trotz coaches for the Islanders? I mean, if they get his goalie. Right. Uh, that's that's a that's a pretty good start, and you know what, Grubauer played pretty decent. He had a two point three five GAA in the regular season, fifteen ten and three record. That's pretty decent. Um, but still, like, is he better than a tandem of Thomas Grice and Yaroslav Halak? Yes. That remains to be seen because he hasn't played in that role. You're just assuming that he's going to be like Cam Talbot and just fit right in there. True, but he could also be like Scott Darling or, you know. uh, Yeah, exactly. He could be be the next Scott Darling, exactly. Yeah. Um, But uh, like like I said, you know, the the whole Mike Keenan aura of winning a cup with the Rangers and then going to St. Louis, I could definitely see that happening with Barry Trotz. Um, I I think this would be a good opportunity, a, a new challenge for Barry. And, and I could see him excelling, but especially when you consider the culture change, because how much of a culture change are we looking at? Are we like a, 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 a complete fire sale? Um, probably not. You know, you keep guys like Barzal in the picture, obviously, but, um, you know, does that, does that future involve John Tavares? Like, what does Lou's vision of the team look like? Does Tavares fit that mold? Yeah. Does Barry Trotz fit that mold better as a coach? These are all things that Lou knows that we don't. And I think in a matter of going to start to see that vision take over. But uh, definitely Lou's priority should be keeping John Tavares because 
I don't think he can risk losing him for absolutely nothing. Yeah, I think if... Uh, that's interesting. I didn't realize that Lou said that there needs to be a culture change, and that makes me think that maybe he's preparing for Tavares to be on his way out. Um, right. But it could also mean that maybe he's thinking like, oh, well, everyone else needs to change so that he can, you know, he can work around that. But um, so, I, I, think he, I, I think he's doing his job by at least talking with Tavares because... Right. Uh, we mentioned one of the things that Garcinot and Doug Waite were out of the loop. Uh, one of them was the meeting with Islanders' ownership, uh, right. Lou meeting with Islanders' ownership. They didn't know about that. They also didn't know that while Lou was the GM of the time with Toronto, before he left Toronto, he actually had a chat with Tavares on behalf of the Islanders' organization. So it's not like Lou doesn't care what happens to John Tavares. He's still... You know, doing his due diligence, he's still talking right. with Tavares. Obviously, I'm sure he wants him to stay. But you know, Lou, that he's not one of those guys that will have the franchise revolve just around one town. It's yeah. it's got to be a team effort. It's it's got to make sense, and um, it's it's his way or the highway. At the end right. of the day, if if a player doesn't fit the style of play that he wants to see, he's gone. Right. True. Well, okay, here's uh, here's the, uh, like, this is basically becoming a segment now. Um, if you're John <laughs> Tavares, uh, and you see this news that Lou Lamarillo is your GM, would you stay? I mean, I guess you just answered that question, but, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think it all depends on, because I remember there was, like, apparently before Lou took the Islanders' presidents of hockey operation job, there was this idea that, um, like that, he called John Tavares. I guess that isn't, isn't tampering, but um, <laughs> but anyways, like there was something that was said. Maybe so. It depends on what what happened in that call. Like maybe Tavares was saying, like you know, like if you if you come on board, we can do this or something. But um, I don't know. I feel like there may be. Um, I feel like this could make John Tavares more likely to be on the team because you have like new management and you're going a different route. But at the same time, if you're like, if Lou Lamarillo is saying a culture change, that could also mean that Tavares might be gone or they're expecting Tavares to leave. So, um, that I'm not sure. And, and you, you have a good point. If, if Tavares has already told, uh, management that he's going to leave July 1st, um, which he's perfectly okay with doing, then he, um, then there is, you know, then they should trade him at the draft, um, and all that stuff. So we'll, we'll see how yeah, that goes. At least, at least trade is, is right, or, or maybe like pull off a sign and trade even. Yeah. Something like that. Um, well, I think that's how you, that's implied, but yeah. I could see, I could totally see Lou doing a move like that. I could totally see that, 100%. Yeah. But I, I think to answer your question, I am more confident with Lou Lamorello as the GM of the Islanders than I am with Gar Snow. If you were Because everywhere Tavares. Lou has gone, he has developed winners. Okay. And that is what John Tavares wants to do. Like, he wants certainty in Long Island. He wants yeah. to know, okay, where am I going to be playing for the next 10 years? Like, but, do we actually have a perfectly good building uh, to, to play in front of and are the fans going to show up? But you that's, also, that's more what he was concerned about yeah. before. But I also, if I'm Tavares at this stage of my career, I want to win. Right. I want to win every year. Yeah, that was I my I want to be in the playoffs every year. 
Right. That that was my point. I want to see, like, I think if I were John Tavares, I love this new segment, by the way. Um, <laughs> uh, but if I were John Tavares, I would want to know what, what Lou's direction is. It's good. Uh, I agree that it is a step up from Garth Snow and his direction, but I want to know what Lou plans to change um, before I make my decision um, in full. So, so there is, there is that aspect of things. Um, okay. I was looking on to see if there, if we missed anything on uh, in terms of hockey news while we go, but like I have done for the past couple days, but um, the only thing is in the rumor mill, according to Elliot Freeman, that Vegas is maybe thinking about revisiting this Eric Carlson deal that didn't go through on the trade deadline. So um, we'll see. <laughs> there could be something where Eric Carlson is going to Vegas, um, and we'll see how that goes. But is that a rumor at this point still? Um, although it is Elliot Freeman um, reporting it, so that that's yeah. the only thing I found. I, um, I will say this, and my offer still stands. If Eric Carlson gets traded wherever he goes to, I am buying a jersey of that team with Carlson on the back. All right, I'll hold it to you. I'll hold that for to you. That will be my Christmas present to myself. Okay, cool. But you'll will you be a Sens fan or just a casual Sens? I fan? will still be a Sens fan, but whatever whatever team that Carlson goes to, I okay. think is automatically going to so, be my second. Favorite. So we don't have to change the Bruins Sens segment. No, no, I'll still be a Sens fan. I'm going to hate them for a while <laughs> uh, for trading Carlson, but right. I'm still going to stick with my hometown team and wherever Carlson goes to, they. Uh, have my secondary support. All right. Well, you're better than I would be because I <laughs> I was threatening to leave the be, become whoever Pasta was going to be a, a team on um, if yeah. they did decide to trade him. Um, so um, last last season, but um, all right. Yeah, I think that's it. I'm Brett Dubuff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. Uh, you can follow us how on social media. Oh, uh, oh, right. I always forget. Uh, Twitter is uh, Lace Them Up uh, or Lace Up Podcast. I also always mess that up. Uh, Facebook is Lace Them Up, where you can get our updates on our new um, on our on new episodes coming up. Um, and which is pretty much how we mostly use Facebook now. Uh, Twitter is whenever there's hockey news, we we post something up on Twitter. Um, Although I guess now, uh, now it's officially the off season. We're gonna be kind of taking it slow, but we uh, it's gonna ramp up a couple of times until July first because we have a draft. yeah. There there will be the draft, and there are gonna be probably yeah. some trades and that the award there. shows. We also yeah. have a so we're gonna do a draft preview next week. I can confirm that, um, yeah. and then we'll have a draft recap, and we'll also do a free agency preview at some point before July first. And also, we have the award shows to uh, cover as well. So I think that's June twentieth. Um, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think it's usually like around the same time as the yeah, draft. Yeah, the same week as the draft weekend. Yeah. Um. So, um. So we'll we'll be prepared. We have you covered for those uh, the next couple of weeks. But um, until then, I'm Brett Dubuff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode one hundred thirty of the Lace Em Up podcast.